Um, but then I started to realize, well, actually, how well has my portfolio done in the 15 years that I've been building it? And that's when the light bulb went off. And I went, well, actually, it's done exceptionally well. Um, and, it, and it rings true to the old adage that it's, it's time in the market. 100%. And I think um, as a coach and with a lot of my clients, I'm, if you're listening to this, you know that I, mm. I say it to you all the time, um, yep. is yeah, the sooner that we can get into the right asset for you today, the better off that your future self and your future family will be, yep. be in, in, in that time. And you'll be thanking yourself tenfold. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. Welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name's Tabitha Bright, and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. So my guest today is Rob King, and we discuss his very entrepreneurial tenant, building investor muscle and not sweating the small stuff, and how it pays to be bored occasionally. (laughs) Enjoy this conversation with Rob. Awesome. So today I have the fabulous Robert King with us. He is uh, one of our wonderful coaching team here at Positive Real Estate, and I like interviewing the coaches because they all come from such varied backgrounds and um, Rob is no exception to that. Uh, he's a fellow Kiwi like myself, um, what we would call the now, one of the family. So awesome to have you here, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tab. Um, thanks for having me. I must admit, uh, it's the first time ever that anyone's called me fabulous, but I'll take it. Thanks. Well, you're certainly known for being a bit of a joker around the trap, so I'm sure we're going to get lots of uh, lots of quips <laughs> from right. you today. The city expectations high. Yeah, oh, so funny. So you'll probably see me laughing a lot in today's uh, today's podcast. Um, but we were just sort of chewing the fat about um, you know what we were going to cover today. Um, what's some of the stuff that is interesting that's been in Rob um, and his wife's background with their investing. And um, the first thing I always ask is, uh, you know, as far as investing goes, have you invested across the ditch? Um, Because people are always saying, oh, I should buy something in New Zealand. But um, Rob, you and I were chewing the fat on that. And I said, well, I've had property in New Zealand while residing in Australia. It's a real pain in the butt. It's not that it's not doable. People do it, but it's just a pain in the butt. Um, And you had a funny little anecdote that um, I'm hoping you don't mind sharing about family. (laughs) Well, yeah, interesting enough. I mean, um, one thing that I've noticed about being a a trans-Tasman immigrant, if you will, Mm. um, ever since I've, I've moved here, to, uh, to Australia, which is some 20 years ago when I yeah. first came across. I've always, not always, but there are certain members inside my immediate family who like to consider me the rich Australian guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I must admit, there's probably not a year that doesn't go by where, where, where one of my family members won't ask me to buy a property just so they can rent it. That's, it's, it's never ending. 
it's funny. Family, eh? It's it's interesting people's perceptions perceptions of us. Um, and um, and some of the stuff that you've done has been a little bit outside of the box when it comes to your investing. And we were talking about how one of the properties that you own uh, is a boarding house. Yes. And, <laughs> and often we buy boarding houses, and correct me if I'm wrong, often we buy boarding houses because they provide um, a welcome opportunity for some decent cash flow is um, often the case. Um, and that comes with its own challenges, doesn't it? Because a boarding house is not your bog standard investment property. Um, share us a little bit with us a little bit about what's happened with the boarding house, what makes it different, what you have to be aware of. Because I do get clients um, from time to time that will do a bit of research and they'll come across something on the internet and it'll be like, 15% yields, um, yeah. you know, rent, uh, um, you know, cash flow through the roof kind of, yeah, kind of stuff. And I always talk to them about how there's a trade-off sometimes with this stuff. And you have to be of a certain mindset and ilk to be able to manage the bumps and scrapes that come with a boarding house. So floor yeah. to you. Tell me about it. Absolutely. Absolutely, Tab. Um, and, and yeah, you're completely right. In fact, uh, when I think about the history of my portfolio, I spent a, a lot of years, almost 15 years, building my portfolio to a, to a certain size and certain value. Um, yep. But as I was reaching, I wouldn't say the end, but certainly probably one of the, the first halts on my acquisitions phase, um, I needed to take a different strategy just to round off the overall portfolio. Um, yep. And this is where I started to direct my energies towards a boarding house. Now, let me say to you, Tab, and you know that everyone else out there in podcast land, boarding houses are not for the faint hearted, not at all. And it's certainly something you should only even consider once you've been through the trenches, done a little bit of vanilla investing and built a solid wealth foundation, um, as I had. But I, I ended up finding this property, which is ideal for my strategy, um, and I worked really hard to put it together. Um, but interesting enough, uh, as, as you right said, it, come, it comes with its own complications and complexities. And the major issue that you have with boarding houses is that you're mixing a, a huge, diverse range of individuals into a very small space. And you're hoping like hell that they're all going to get along really, really well. In fact, let me, let me tell you a quick story. I remember, this was only recently, it's like three or four months ago, uh, we had, uh, I'll call this tenant, tenant A. We had tenant A in the property and she had been in the property for some time. Um, and tenant A had inadvertently locked her bathroom keys inside one of the shared bathrooms. Of course, this is a big inconvenience for everybody, um, not just tenant A, but all the others inside the property. So uh, it was tenant A's responsibility to get the locksmith out uh, pay the locksmith and, and reopen that bathroom door. Um, so she went ahead and did that. And we thought everything was going along swimmingly. I checked in with the, the property manager and he's like, no, no, everything's fine, Rob. Everything's going okay. Uh, it wasn't probably for another three or four days later uh, that we received a phone call from, let's say, tenant C. <laughs> tenant C uh, called up to complain. And uh, we asked, well, what exactly is your complaint? And he said that tenant A had been charging him and the others $20 for a toilet visit because she was the only one that was given the key. <laughs> so, I mean, hats off to tenant A for her entrepreneurial uh, ability. I was going to say, 
Yeah, I mean, kudos. Well done to her. But really, uh, it created such an inconvenience, as you can imagine. Uh, you know, not having access to the bathroom to, to do any of the businesses. Um, $10 is a, is a substantial... <laughs> major substantial payment. Yeah, it is. Ex exactly right. So, um, the, I mean, the managing agent came back to me with this news. And, you know, being the... Uh, being that the nature of the tenancies that were in place, of course, I, I like to I like to manage it relatively fairly. I'm, I'm quite understanding of the the differing backgrounds that we have um, staying in this boarding house. I mean, you don't normally find a lot of white white collar professionals staying in a boarding house. Yeah. Um, so I try to be a little bit tolerant to these differences and, and challenges. But yeah. we'd had a number of challenges with tenant A, and and in the end, the, the property manager, rightly so, recommended that we should evict tenant A because um, yeah. this was not the the straw that broke the toilet back <laughs> and so we did we made the decision to to evict her and, and move her on and and fortunately of course the, the rest of the tenants are, are appreciative of that now uh yeah i remember i've got another client that um has been part of positive real estate for many years um uh um peter and joanne and um they have had multiple number of boarding houses and Peter is your kind of salt of the earth guy um, he uh, they live regionally um, and absolute charmers but you know the kind of people that you'd expect to be able to deal with lots of different personalities, lots of different backgrounds, because they just, you know, they've got a big family, grown up kids, everything's rough and tumble. And um, like I said, salt of the earth. And um, I remember him telling me one time when I sat with him to do a strategy, we we're talking about boarding houses. And he was like, oh yeah, excuse me. You know, I'm a bit, bit kind of dusting himself off. He's like, I, I had to go and like, break up some fisticuffs because <laughs> yeah, right. he manages them himself yes. and <laughs> had to go and break up some fisticuffs between um, some boarding house um, uh, tenants that were not getting on. Uh, and so I was always like, oh, yeah, that sounds like some quite hard work. And I think yeah. you and I were chatting and I was saying um, that um, Vin and myself, we'd had they weren't boarding houses, but they were houses that have been subdivided into multiple um, tenancies and in New Zealand and Dunedin. And for those of you that are not um, Kiwis and aren't familiar with the town of Dunedin, beautiful town, Scottish heritage. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, lots, lots of, um, you know, beautiful old houses and a big harbour and lots of culture and um, very passionate about their rugby, I'd be correct in saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a very big student culture. And it's uh, it's renowned for basically the students taking over the town and just ransacking the town when oh, they, they have these massive yeah. parties where they close down the entire street. You'll literally have every resident in that street, all tenants, all students in the street, drinking, dancing, smoking. It's like mayhem. Burning their furniture. <laughs> yep, yep. They set bonfires in the street. They Whoa. they just go nuts. And so we had uh, we had two properties that had four essentially houses within them, uh, and a number of tenants. And we never knew who was on the lease if they were even there anymore. 
we had the property manager come through and say that he started to um, throw up a bit. <laughs> it was he, he likened it to the cat, you know, when cats get a bit sick and they do that <laughs> kind of. <laughs> he said he saw what was in the sink, and I was like, I don't want to know. We had the the classic floorboards being ripped up because students were poor; they couldn't afford to um, heat themselves. So in Dunedin, it's sort of a <laughs> A bit of an urban myth that they rip up floorboards, isn't it? And they yeah, yeah. they put them in the fire and burn it. But this it's true. Yeah. <laughs> we had the one of the property managers ran off with the rent roll and pocketed it because they were collecting it in cash from the students, and all while we were over here. And so it's that thing about these. They were great cash flow, sixteen point nine and fourteen point eight percent yields, but. <laughs> For the grief and the fact that half the time the rent wasn't paid and the... Yes. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the, the complexity of these kinds of investments is really, mm. like I said earlier, not for the faint-hearted. Uh, I mean, if you don't have your battle wounds, if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't been <laughs> jabbed in the back a few times as a landlord, then it's definitely not the space you should be investing in. Uh, oh, and, and, and really, uh, it, it speaks volumes to also having your great property management on your side. Oh, I mean, that, that's 100%. something that I've, I've learned time and time again across the years yeah. is that if you don't have great property management on your site, you open yourselves up to all kinds of dangers, all kinds of risks. Yeah. Um, and, and, and well, except for when they're running off with the rent roll tab, I mean. <laughs> well, they weren't a great property manager, though. They were a shit property manager. Right. <laughs> exactly right. There's a distinction. <laughs> True. Yeah, I just, I kept thinking... I still haven't paid their rent. They still haven't paid their rent. And I was ringing this property manager. She was like, oh yeah, they keep avoiding me. And we're talking a few hundred bucks really, like, because this was probably 10, 15 years ago. And I'm thinking, she's probably longer, forget how old I am, 20, right. 25 years ago. And um, I just remember thinking, this isn't right. And I rang the principal of the place and said, listen, and he was like, that doesn't sound right. And he went and checked it out and he rang me and said, listen, I'm really sorry. So um, we'd missed out on about three months rent by that stage. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't know what she was doing with it. but no. And that certainly doesn't help you replace the, uh, the floorboards, does it? It doesn't help me replace the floorboards. <laughs> yeah, no, there were lots of lessons with those properties and we eventually renovated them and moved them on. It, it was just... We didn't want the headache. And now I've got some, um, my favorite property that I always like to quote is the one that I forget I've got. It's like, I've got an awesome property manager. They just, the rent comes in. They do everything for me. Regular rent increases. I've had a long-term tenant. Just don't even know I've got it. It's yep, boring yep. as batshit, but Absolutely. God damn it works. Plain, plain vanilla. <laughs> something said about plain vanilla. I love it. Uh, and it was because we were talking about your investing. I said, oh, you must have some awesome stories. Well, A being one of it being charged to go to the loo. Um, <laughs> very enterprising. But um, it, but you said the rest of your portfolio is pretty vanilla. I, I just want to dig on that a little bit. Are you sure? Because you said it was vanilla before you told me about the boarding houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, look, it, it, it is, it is, it is yeah. pretty vanilla. Um, you know, certainly through my, um, uh, and I might add, you know, mm. 
now that I'm able to handle uh, you know, the ins and outs and the ups and downs of such a diverse range of tenancies in a boarding house, yeah. I am completely skilled to operate as a coach with positive real estate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, lo- I, I love our clients, but I think, you know, really, we, we also work with such a diverse range of backgrounds and investors inside yep. what we do as a, yep. as a coaching, education and investing agency. Uh, well, we have to be able to, 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 to adapt um, and, and manage these, these different clients' needs uh, at a whim sometimes. And uh, although I'm sure none of my clients are charging their tenants to go to the bathroom, um, I think those skills, <laughs> they really bring some weight to them here uh, at Positive Real Estate. Yeah. But yeah, um, no. yeah, back to your question, Tab. Oh, yeah, look, in all honesty, the, the majority of my portfolio is relatively vanilla. Um, but I have diversified over the years. You know, I started with some old red brick houses. In fact, that was my first property um, when uh, when my daughter was born, actually, back in yeah. 2007. And it was, I mean, it wasn't a great house. It, it was our house. Uh, yeah. It was it was humble. It was modest. It had no bells and whistles. But it was what we needed to do at that time to enter the market. Yeah. Not probably yeah. the strategy that I would utilize today as an investor. Um, but certainly at that time, you know, 15 years ago, it was definitely yep. the right step for us. And um, that was what we were able to, to utilize to, to leapfrog into building our portfolio into a number of houses, townhouses and units as they are today. Um, yep. and, and that is exactly as it sits. You know, we've diversified across many asset types um, in differing locations. And, oh, and actually, that's one thing I learned along the way, too, is that make sure you diversify your location. Um, you know, I remember the first 100%. time I ever got a land tax bill. <laughs> you what? Sorry, I missed that. I remember, I remember the first time I ever got a land tax bill. Oh. Um, and, and it shocked the shit out of me. <laughs> I went, oh, I'm doing something wrong here. I think I need a bit of a help with this. Yeah. Um, and I, I revisited some of the, the people that I was speaking to in my earlier years that were guiding me with property. Um, and soon realized that I needed to diversify my location to yeah. minimize those land tax obligations that the state governments were chasing me with. Um, yeah. and, and really having those conversations with the people that supported me all those years ago were yeah. really valuable to, to rounding off my portfolio in the right way today. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you don't always want to learn by trial and error. It can be incredibly incredibly costly yes. and sometimes I've found too you don't know what you don't know hmm. so when I remember going to um going to see an accountant because I've been to a couple of seminars um I was looking to increase my skills with my investing we'd bought like you said a couple of um kind of vanilla type deals and like yourself what we could afford at the time and I'd like to just dwell on that really quickly before I wax lyrical on the other point you made. What you can afford at the time necessarily isn't a bad thing. You don't have to be buying the Taj Mahal when you first start out. And, you know, and a lot of people are concerned because they can only afford X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, you get in with the best property you can um, at the best location you can, as soon as you can afford to get into the market, like you don't try and time markets, you don't try and like, it, no. it's <laughs> you just get in. Um, and I wanted to highlight that from what you said, um, because, you know, I'm sure if you were to look back at those properties, they've done incredibly well over 15 years, even if they were your standard red brick property. Yeah. Yep. 
I, I was I was actually thinking about that because I knew we were going to have this chat, and I was thinking about it this morning. And, and you know, I, I tend to monitor my portfolio and and yep. you know, my overall family's wealth, you know, quite quite closely as some people do. I like to yep. keep my finger on the pulse. Um, but then <laughs> I started to realise, well, actually, how well has my portfolio done in the fifteen years that I've been building it? And that's when the light bulb went off, and I went, well, actually, it's done exceptionally well. Um, and it and it rings true to the old adage that it's it's time in the market, one hundred percent. And I think um, as a coach and with a lot of my clients, I'm, if you're listening to this, you know that I mm. I say it to you all the time. Um, yep. Is yeah, the sooner that we can get into the right asset for you today, the better off that your future self and your future family will be yep. be in, in in that time, and you'll be thanking yourself tenfold. Yeah, and I think the trap. Um, when we monitor our portfolios is, especially when you start out, is that you look at it like every three months, every six months, every 12 months, and then even looking at it every 12 months, can sure. you can undo yourself because you go, damn it, if I'd bought this, not that, or you know, the market hasn't gone up, or in some cases it's even gone backwards, or your rents might have dropped, depending on where it is in the cycle, that doesn't necessarily make it a bad investment. It's just that it needs time and it needs to go through the entirety of the cycle. And that cycle, can, if you're lucky, you might jag it and in three years, something doubles. But for the most part, normally it's a 15, you know, 12, 15 year journey, um, depending on where you buy. Um, and so I know a lot of people get to that seven year mark. It's like that seven year itch. And they're like, but it hasn't done anything. It's like, keep holding. Keep holding, be patient. <laughs> So don't get itchy feet. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Get your rents up. Um, you know, is there something you can physically do to the property to improve it? Which sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Yeah. Um, well, they do um, say prop they say hold. property property investing. It's it's a boring hobby. It, there's nothing sexy <laughs> about property investing at all. I know you that you don't want it to be that sexy. To be well, honest, we want to bring a little bit of sexiness to it, Tab. You know, good looking coaches <laughs> like you and I. But. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm, jo I'm joking. But it, but, yeah, but they it, had to be the joke. <laughs> yeah, but it, it really is um, a, a boring hobby to have, but an extremely fruitful hobby to have yeah. when done the right way based on your circumstances. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one thing that I've learned across the years for sure. Yeah. And um, um, we were talking about how sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but when I was um, starting out, I was very keen on making sure that I had the right structures, I had the right team, I had blah, 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 blah. And I'd read a few books, I'd gone to a couple of seminars. And sometimes there's these broad rules around what's right for investing. Like, you know, um, now I can't even think of one. <laughs> but there'll be these broad kind of overarching statements but when you get into the nitty gritty, it might be, well, yes, but there's a trade-off and that doesn't apply to you for these reasons. And I found I sat with some people that were, um, you know, fantastic accountants. Um, and I went in and I said, oh, I've heard I need a company trust structure. Um, so can you set me up with one? And they're like, yep, of course we can. <laughs> Rather well, than... $2,000, Tab? <laughs> Yeah, and all of the tax deductions I missed out on. Um, yes. I did go and then get a hybrid trust, which then I could claim the tax deductions. But then lenders don't like them. The ATO nearly ruled against them. They haven't, but 
you know. And so sometimes we overcomplicate stuff. But once again, it comes back to your comment about it's, it's not particularly sexy or it would err on the side of boring sometimes property investing when it's done right. Suck it up. Right, because <laughs> Kiyosaki says the reason that most people don't become wealthy is because they don't like doing the boring stuff. Right, yeah. It's one of his key adages and it's always stuck with me because if that's what it takes to get some wealth behind you is to be a bit bored. Um, I, I think it's amazing how hard it is to actually be bored and to sit with something that feels like it's doing nothing and going nowhere. It's... um. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of investors, they come unstuck. I know you've seen it before. I've seen it before. Mm, They get bored. They get itchy feet. They start to think that they can make their portfolio super sexy or more interesting or more exciting. And they start to make really poor decisions and and juggling their properties around. Yeah, correct. In and out, in and out. In and out, in and out. You've got the ins cost, the outs cost, every step of the way, losing that compounding effect that your portfolio should be taking you through. Um, look, if you're, if you're feeling bored with your yep. property, if, if you're feeling a little bit unexcited, go run across the freeway. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, come running with you and me. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go for a hike in the I mountains. I get you running some, again, buddy. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on you on Strava. <laughs> yeah. no, let's not get talking about the running tab. I'm going to rein you in for a minute. <laughs> Please. Um, yeah, all yeah, right. Find an exciting hobby. If you're getting bored with your properties, find an exciting hobby that you know, supplements your investing already. That's what you 100%, need to do. 100%. And so if here's the classic podcast question. So right. if you could go back in time and give young Rob some yeah. advice today, what, what would you want to tell young Rob um, from an investing perspective what do you think? Um, oh, from an investing perspective? Oh, you really from reined an investing in. perspective. <laughs> yeah. I did clarify that. Yeah, you did. You reined in my response. All righty. Um, I, w- I would say, and it's, it's something which everybody says, I think, but mm. just take the action earlier, Robert, um, okay. is, is yeah. what I would tell myself, you know. Yeah. Don't, don't procrastinate. Don't overanalyze. Yeah, get the skills. Get the support. I mean, that's what I did. Young, at a young age anyway I, I found yep. other people to lean on but yep. take those actions that you need to much sooner um, and, and get those wheels turning in the property market yeah uh, I mean I started when I was 27 if I'd started when I was 22 it'd be a completely different story um, as as we all know right I mean we've all yep. we've all got a similar story I'm sure yeah and I tell you what after I've done quite a number of these podcasts now I reckon nine out of ten people say the same thing right yeah if they could have started earlier, don't wait, like just get stuck in. And if you're feeling like, you know, maybe you've missed out or you should have taken action and you're beating yourself up, there is no time like the present. And I think, you know. And important to note, Tab, I think as you and I both know, there's always a next step too. No matter whether you're a seasoned investor or whether you're a newbie coming through the ranks trying to find your way in this crazy property investing world, there's always a next step for you. Um, And it's making sure that you're getting the right information and you're planning and and understanding what that next step should be for you to get you towards your investing goals, whatever they may be in your world. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, awesome note to end it on. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate hearing a little bit about Rob, your experiences. Um, 
some of your um, dust ups and uh, and the successes. So maybe I'll share more next time. <laughs> <laughs> that is being recorded. We know we're up for no. podcast too now. <laughs> Help do it. Help do it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing, and bye for now.